Hello, Faith family. I'm so happy to be with you now to share the word. What a privilege it is. And, and this morning, we have so much to look forward to. I mean, just the season, the transition of the season coming and the hopes we have for the future at St. John. And now we're at a point in this covenantal series where we're, we're transitioning from Old Testament covenant to what covenant means in the New Testament with the coming of Jesus. And so we're making that shift here as we listen to the words of Jeremiah the prophet. You know, uh, Jeremiah was going through transition too. He was hearing new things from the Lord and he shares those things with the people. And I think that must have been such a word of encouragement to him that he heard this word that there is going to be a new covenant coming. He didn't know how long it would take and it took a long time, but he had this promise he was able to give the people. What do you know about Jeremiah? I thought I would just share a couple of facts about him. Well, first of all, he lived a long time before Jesus. So there, he had no idea how long this gap would be until the fulfillment of the covenant. But he came from a family of priests. So he was familiar with people hearing from God and sharing the word of God. And he was a faithful prophet. So he was one of those guys who was courageous enough to say the things that weren't popular, to say the hard words to the people, to draw them back to God. Even when those words were intimidating to both um, share and hear. And Jeremiah had a special calling. I think uh, there was no one better suited to make this announcement of God bringing a new covenant. And that's because Jeremiah was called to draw people back into covenant with God, to call them into faithful relationship with God. So whenever we say the word covenant, you can substitute the word relationship because it's a formalized relationship between God and his people. And I think it's really neat to look at how Jeremiah got started as a prophet and his calling and, and just the essence of that, because it's so telling about how deep his relationship was with God. In Jeremiah 1.5, it reads, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is God speaking over Jeremiah. Before I knew you, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. You know, that's true for us too. And then he told Jeremiah, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And of course, Jeremiah responds saying, Lord, I don't know how to speak. I am too young. Uh, can't we relate? I am too young. I'm too old. I am too shy. I'm too introverted. I'm too inexperienced. I don't know enough of the Bible. I mean, we all have those thoughts, but that didn't stop the Lord because he knew who Jeremiah was. And he said, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you 
So that close connection, that close guidance, and the preparation of the way for Jeremiah. And then God says to Jeremiah, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you. And then to make that even clearer, God reaches out his hand and he touches the mouth of Jeremiah. And he says to him, I have put my words in your mouth. So what a picture of intimacy, of support, of relationship just poured all over this. So who better to proclaim this new relationship, this new covenant coming from God? So let's take a minute to look at um, kind of where we've been in the past few weeks in this covenantal journey, uh, because it's all about relationship and the journey of God's relationship with humankind. It began in creation. It began in the garden. And in the garden, relationship was perfect. It, there was this closeness, this intimacy, nothing hidden between God and man. And of course, humanity messed it up. <laughs> that's, that's what happens. That's a re recurring theme as we uh, look at these stories in, throughout the scriptures, that man messes it up. Human, humanity messes up what God has made perfect. And so God needed to do something to help because humanity couldn't fix it on their own. So God made a new covenant with Noah. We talked about the Noah covenant, covenant, the one for everyone. And there was this new humanity and a sense of purity and promise given to humanity once again, a fresh start. And then, of course, humanity messes it up again. And there's a need for a leader to call people back to the Lord. And so God chooses Abraham. And Abraham... He, God calls him and gives him a vision for what it will be like for God's people. And he says to Abraham, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. What a visual promise he gave to Abraham. So this sense that, and we are part of that inheritance of Abraham. So we are part of those stars in the sky that God uh, pictured for Abraham in that promise and covenant. And then humanity messes it up again and again and again. And, and then God calls Moses. And with Moses, his covenant relationship is, goes another step. God prepares his law, his guidance, his rules, the Ten Commandments, and gives them to Moses as a tangible representation of this is the way God wants you to live. Follow God, follow me, God is saying. And, uh, and so the Israelites walk in that promise. And of course, humanity messes it up again. And, and now we come to that transition when God is planting in Jeremiah, this prophet, that there will be something new in the future. And so in verse 31 of today's scripture, the Lord speaks through Jeremiah, and he says, the days are surely coming, 
when I will make a new covenant. So there is this announcement of a promise for the future. And then God, through Jeremiah, reflects on the old covenants and the most recent covenant, the one made with Moses. And Jeremiah speaks God's words in verse 32, where he says a covenant, the one with Moses, that they broke. Humanity broke it again. And then he says, though I was their husband. Wow. You know, marriage is a covenant. Two parties agree to become one. And for anybody who's married, you can attest to the fact that the becoming one part is really difficult. <laughs> it is not easy for us as humans to become one with another. And that's part of the struggle of humanity in covenant with God. In marriage, as in, in all covenants, there's the sharing of provision and protection. And in marriage, um, it's designed to be a human reflection of this covenant relationship with God. It's like a living symbol of the, what, the way God wants to be with us in a perfect marriage. And so here God's saying, I was their husband and they broke the covenant. And so we see this theme over and over again of um, humanity's unfaithfulness and God's faithfulness. Covenant's designed to last a lifetime. Now we as humans, we certainly struggle with that. And, and yet even with God, the, it, the covenant is designed to last into eternity, beyond a lifetime. God wants us to succeed in covenant, to be faithful in our relationship with him. And he doesn't leave us to our own devices to do that because he knows we're incapable of it without him. And that is why covenant is always God's initiative. God takes the lead. He takes the lead in our relationship with him and we're a willing participant. We have a choice, but he's the one who's taking the lead. And in the new covenant of God's design, which we know is Jesus, we know that God had a plan all along for Jesus to become fully human like us so that we could have this full and intimate relationship with him. He had made that plan all along. And now that announcement is made. In Jesus, our identity is changed and we become new. And so this new covenant is God's brilliant and wondrous and sacrificial answer to our brokenness. All the work is his. We just choose to receive the gift. So I was thinking about this passage of scripture and how much um, it's useful to consider the issue of power within a covenant. And going back a little bit to um, why and how covenants were formed. These were alliances, formalized alliances between two parties that happened in ancient times. So it was very common in the culture of the, um, the context we're reading about in scripture from 
from the garden right on up to Jeremiah. This is very common practice that in order to have um, a sense of safety, of protection, of provision, that parties would make these agreements, these covenants, and formalize them so that there was a bond and it was trustworthy because just somebody saying, okay, you can trust me, wasn't enough. It, it needed to be this formalized bloodshed covenant of sacrifice of an animal and a procedure of walking through the blood together and, and bonding. And that every time it, that we've looked at these covenants that God has done, he's done the same thing. So he's, he's, um, he's communicating with his people in a way that's very familiar by making these covenants. Covenant, even in ancient times between, between peoples, was always a, a relationship between a stronger party and a weaker party. I think that penetrates deep when we think about God making a covenant with us because we know which party we are and we know which one he is. The stronger party offers the relationship and builds the relationship and shares their blessings. Why would they want to do that? <laughs> Why would they want to do that? It just It's such a reflection of character, of godly character, uh, when the stronger party puts the weaker party first. And that's God's holy character. He means good for us. We're undeserving and we're weak, but yet he means to offer all of his blessings to us. So what has the weaker party got to offer? They offer faithfulness and a personal investment in that relationship for a lifetime. So between parties, human parties, they would build these relationships and they were trustworthy and they, they offered to one another what they needed for provision and protection. Covenantal power with God is 100% God has the power. 100% the Lord is in charge, in control. Covenant is a gift of relationship and God is our ally, but all the power is his. And that most perfect gift he gives us in covenant comes as he gives us Jesus. The problem is uh, we failing uh, unfaithful humans struggle with releasing our power. We struggle releasing control. Uh, we think we have this so-called power but it's full of human limitations. And so we get stuck in our own limitations when we can't release control and power to God. Even though he has it, it's not like a, our misunderstanding of that does any good, but we get stuck in holding on to our control. And so humans have this, like what's in it for me kind of thinking. Um, Humans, you know, their idea of making, uh, building a relationship is a deal-making, uh, negotiation, compromise, win-win, uh, sometimes it's win-lose. You know, that's the way humans think about building a relationship 
and negotiating power. But with God, it's all gift. He's got all the power and we just receive the gift. We cannot grovel or confess our way into his good graces. We have nothing to offer. Well, not completely nothing. We have relationship to offer God because that's actually what he designed us for. He created us because he wanted to have relationship with us. And as we give him control and power in this covenant relationship through Jesus, we give him our love, our relationship. We follow him. We trust him. And that's what he longs for. But we can't fathom that kind of generosity of someone giving it all away to us giving us so much when we deserve nothing. I don't know about you, but I've struggled with control and trying to stay in control over my lifetime. I can share an example of back in some of the early days in my career path, um, I was you know, first a nurse, as many of you know, and then I became uh, an executive of a program developer in healthcare. And I really worked hard at climbing the ladder because I wanted to succeed. You know, I was really trying to stay, um, I was trying to stay in control of my career and, and make something out of my life, out of myself. And I would try so hard. I mean, I worked so hard to do my best. Um, it wasn't even so much just to be proud of myself. It was, I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed the sense of accomplishment, you know, the sense of moving forward and, and, uh, and achieving. And, and so I did that. And you know what? I was pretty successful at it. And it felt good. And I climbed higher and higher. And I had executive responsibilities. And, and it was stressful. I bet a lot of you can relate in your occupational role you may carry a lot of stress because underneath of it, there's this sense that if I don't keep this up, if I don't keep doing great work and keep improving that great work, that I'm going to fall off the ladder. My opportunity is going to pass me by. And, you know, there's a lot of effort to try to climb somewhere and then keep yourself there. There's a lot of stress in that. And I reached a point in my career where I just didn't want to do that anymore. It was so exhausting. And I was listening to the Lord and realized that a lot of that had to do with me trying to control my own life and not trust God to control my life. Much like Jeremiah had to trust God that these were God's words he was going to speak. It takes a releasing. It takes courage to release that. And so I made a switch. I made a big switch. And I decided that I was going to let God put me where he wanted to put me. And even if that meant that I did fall off the ladder or whatever happened, you know, I wasn't going to worry about that. I was still going to work hard and do my best, but I wasn't going to carry that pressure of maintaining myself somewhere and that uh, it was all on my shoulders. And as I did that, I released control of my life over to God. 
Um, one of the verses I found really supportive during that time was 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in his time, he will lift you up. Cast your care on him because he cares for you. And that really spoke volumes to me. It was like, just let God have my life. Come under his authority and then see what he does with it in his timing, in his way to put me where he wanted to put me. Now, for me, that meant I did leave the corporate world and I entered into ministry and that was my path. That's not necessarily everyone's path. So turning over control of our life means different things for different people. But I think it's, um, and it's an example of how, how much we resist God having control and how much ease and peace there is in giving him control of our lives, more and more and more control of our lives. Now, I don't have it all together. There's a lot of ways I still try to control my life, even Currently, I struggle with it, but I'm in this journey of turning over more and more of my life to God. Now, Pastor Dan said a couple weeks ago, um, something that really caught my attention. He said, covenant is free, but it will cost you. And I think that's what uh, the point I'm making here, this idea of giving yourself up to the Lord for his control is a cost. We feel it. It's agony to some degree. And I, I believe Dan, uh, at that time he was sharing that, mentioned about the disciples, that they, they literally walked away from their fishing nets. They left the very means that they had of gathering blessings on this earth, their income and their source of accomplishment. They left it there on the ground and walked away with Jesus to something new, to a place they didn't know where they were going in a way they didn't know they were going to live. But God was faithful and he poured out a way for them. He poured out a new mission, a new vision. And it's the same for us. So my advice today is give it up, people. Give up the control because it's not gaining us anything. And giving up control over to God is what faithfulness requires. It's hard to do. I know it's a journey. But we make this trade between our control for his identity. We become children of God. And in that, there's so much freedom. So that's the win at the end of that agony of releasing control. In God's new covenant, there's a new plan for us. And Jeremiah speaks to that when in verse 33, he says, this is God speaking through him, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. As we meet Jesus, as we come to know him and trust him and follow him and he continues to live within us, Jesus is the word that's written on our hearts. Through him, we know God's laws and God's promises, God's ways. And through him, God's laws and promises and ways are fulfilled. Jesus is writing his word 
on your heart. So my question for you is, are you giving him your entire heart to write on? If you're human, <laughs> then there are some corners of your heart that you're holding back. We all are. I get it. And we grow in faithfulness by giving ourselves over more and more to him, to give him more access into our heart, more space in our heart. There's things that are occupying spaces in our heart that get in the way, and it's going to cost you to lay those things down. As we get ready to approach Holy Week. I think this is a really good thing for us to consider. What are the spaces that are occupied by things in your heart that maybe are putting up barriers to Jesus writing his word in your heart? What would he want to write into your heart? What would he want to say through those words? What does it cost you to lay it down? So think for a moment now and just press in it. What, what is taking up space in your heart that maybe you think God is saying right now in this season of Lent is time to give God access to that. Let him in, let him have more space. Let him say more into your heart. Let's go to him in prayer and ask him for his help with that. Father, we uh, thank you that you've made us your children. And as your children, we can comfortably come to you uh, humble and willing to come under your authority. But honestly, Lord, it's not easy. It's, uh, we resist and we, we ask for your forgiveness in that. And we ask for your help to release the places in our hearts that we really don't want to give up control. But you are trustworthy. And you are for us. Receive these places in our hearts today. Come in. Fill us. Write your now word into those spaces and encourage us this day. We ask this in the name of Jesus, your son, our savior. Amen.